Hi, welcome to Revenue Marketing Television, the CMO Insight Series. I am your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. Today, as our guest, we have Jake Sarafman, who is the CMO at Pendo. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. So you've had really a fascinating career, several stints as the Chief Marketing Officer, worked as an analyst at Gartner, and now you're back at the helm again. So what's uh, what's been some of the biggest changes to the role of the CMO in your perspective? You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. So I spent about five years as a Gartner analyst, as you mentioned, sort of tracking the evolution of the role. And um, I think it's no surprise to anyone that it's become much more data-driven, much more technology-led. <clears throat> so sort of this science side um, of, of marketing has changed fairly profoundly, uh, which has necess necessitated different staffing models and different roles within the marketing organization, sort of the rise of the marketing analyst, the rise of the chief marketing technologist uh, or marketing engineer. Um, so that's an interesting evolution. I think some other things are maybe less more subtle, but equally important. And that's that um, the way we tell stories has changed. The expectations of audiences for something that delivers value to them. Um, I think that there's much less tolerance just in the age of abundance where your audiences have a tremendous amount of choice to engage with uh, lots of freely available content. The onus is on marketers to do even better and to tell stories that are really distinctive and differentiated and, and stories that start with what's at stake for the buyer and, and, and consequently earn the right to the, to the buyer's attention. Um, early in my career, I remember uh, certainly in the B2B space, marketing being um, sort of the whole, you know, better, faster, cheaper conceit where even solution selling as an idea, I think, has turned into a set of platitudes. It needs to be, we need to do better. And I think that that's the expectation standard that marketers are being held to today on the creative side as well. Do you think that um, with the push to be more running marketing more like a business, focus on technology and metrics, that marketing's lost a little bit of the art of the, the storytelling and creating the emotional connection with the customer? Just the contrary. Just the contrary. And that's that's exactly what where I was I was trying to go there is I think that it's easy to presume that this shift to the science side of marketing has been at the expense of the art, but I think it's actually uh, art is under pressure as well, both because audiences expect better. Uh, they, ex they engage with content and storytelling that is distinctive, differentiated, engaging, delightful. Um, and, and also because data tells us a whole lot that can make us do better on that side of the equation as well. So data-driven marketing isn't, about, isn't just about targeting. It's also about understanding which mess messages do and don't resonate and quickly iterating on creative concepts to uh, evolve them, um, to make them more effective. So we have unbelievably productive conversations with our creative team centered around data, looking at which ads do and don't perform, and then building a narrative around what that data means and how that can inform the next iteration. Very well said. So tell us a little bit about Pendo and what are some of the biggest challenges you're facing in your role there? So Pendo is a venture-backed software company, SaaS company based in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we have a, um, a product experience platform. 
So we help um, digital product teams, both within SaaS companies and digitally led enterprises, create um, software experiences that users love. Uh, we do that by instrumenting uh, the application, collecting lots of behavioral data around how users are engaging with the product to understand which features they're using, which features they aren't using, how they're journeying through the product. And then we also capture user feedback, so qualitative feedback to understand user sentiment. And then finally, we allow uh, these teams to set up guides and in-app messages to drive the right behaviors in the app to help users through the process of onboarding and through the process of understanding how to adopt and get value from new features. So it's really toward the goal of making products sticky, making digital experiences simple and intuitive and, and delightful for end users. Okay. And uh, as the CMO, and now you've been at, I think, eight months, you said. So yep. what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing? So we're growing very, very fast. Um, so when I joined eight months ago, marketing was a team of five. Uh, today, uh, we're, we're rapidly approaching 20. I think we're 18. Wow. Um, so there's just been a tremendous amount of growth. Um, having the right people in the right seats, um, doing that very quickly as we stare down bigger and bigger expectations from a, a revenue growth perspective. Um, I'd say that that's probably challenge number one. Um, I feel like we're doing great against that challenge. Uh, we have a fantastic team and we've been fortunate to be um, a pretty visible and, and somewhat celebrated company in, in, a, in a town where there isn't a whole lot of competition for those resources, which is great. Um, I'd say that the other challenge that we have that is maybe common to virtually every marketing organization is, is the multi-channel attribution channel challenge um, and really tracing the thread to understand not just the direct impact of uh, our marketing investments from a lead gen perspective, but also the overall influence um, and the indirect impact of our investments um, across all the touch points on the, on the buying journey. So we know we underreport marketing impact. Uh, we still feel good about our impact. We're able to trace the thread to tell a positive ROI story, but we know that there it's kind of the bacon, baked in assumption that we're, we're probably underreporting our impact. So um, that's very fast growth for your team. Tell me a little bit about what do you look for in 2018? What kind of people you're hiring? What are the personality traits? What skills are you looking for as you build out a team, especially so quickly? Because that must be a really interesting dynamic to get when you're hiring that many people so fast. What does it do to the culture? How do you get, get them working and harnessed together? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, I start with passion. Like people need to care, really deeply care about the work. It needs to be more than a job, more than a paycheck, something that they care deeply about, both because they get a kick out of the work they like the people they work with, and also because they're driven to achieve things personally within their own career. So ambition is also important. And then looking for people who are um, sort of T-shaped, like we want people that have deep uh, expertise within a specialized function, but also um, the breadth to um, be able to make the logical connections between um, adjacent functions. So they have breadth and contextual understanding of the whole picture. They understand the why behind what they're doing, but they're also deeply expert in what they're doing from a specialized perspective. What I described sounds a little bit like a unicorn, but we've been pretty fortunate in finding a lot of people that fit that profile. 
Yeah, that's great. I, I'm sure uh, a lot of marketers out there would probably like your guidance because <laughs> I know trying to find good people is constantly one of the biggest issues. Not, not only finding them, but keeping them. Uh, yeah. that, that, that's a big one. So as you grow so quickly, what are some of the business processes that you're spending more time on that are helping you scale? Are, are there certain areas that are higher priority than others? Uh, for sure. Um, although I'm, you know, now that you asked that question, I, 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 I'm challenged to think of um, which ones I'd call out as higher priority because they all seem to have relatively equivalent priority. But I'd say that it's really around marketing operations, reporting analytics. That's probably where I'm putting focus and attention at, at the moment, um, simply because it puts you in a position to earn the right to ask for more. Um, and frankly, you know, we want to put more dollars to work and driving growth with the company. And it's hard to have those conversations unless you have uh, pretty deep transparency around what what is and isn't working. So I feel like it's uh, only responsible to build that sort of transparency um, before you start really doubling down on investments. Uh, so that's probably the first point. The, the second area where I where I put a lot of attention, we put a lot of attention as a team, is really around customer marketing. So uh, Pendo as an organization has more uh, goodwill, customer goodwill than maybe any company I've ever worked for just this wellspring of passion and, and uh, excitement around the product um, from customers who really not only um, really love the product, but also love the brand. So we've created a community um, and it feels almost like the beginning of a movement. And that's, that's pretty exciting to be part of. Um, I think we've done a reasonably good job, but could do better in activating that advocacy. So telling their stories, merchandising those stories, um, and, and, and really sharing them out in the wild uh, so others can hear um, and learn from uh, the passion and energy around the product. It's interesting that you say that because uh, a lot of marketing executives I talk to, while they certainly care about the customer experience, a lot of the focus is on acquisition, top of right. funnel, um, and very, very little is spent on onboarding, value realization, adoption, loyalty, advocacy. Um, it, it's always been a head scratcher because all of us have whatever our business model, we want to keep our customers, right? <laughs> so, uh, and I'm just the economics of that should dictate that you spend more time on retention and growth than, than just acquisition or at least equivalent time because it's cheaper to retain a customer than to acquire a new customer. And there's also the added sort of indirect benefit of advocacy and that what that means from a word of mouth perspective and really driving, you know, customer success. Yeah, very well said. So um, as you're scaling this thing out, what's your approach to technology strategically? Whether, you know, what are some of the main things that you feel you have to have and what are some things are like, well, they'd be nice to have, but aren't as important. Sure. So the first thing you need, in my opinion, is someone who owns the stack within marketing. Um, so at Gartner, we talked a lot about this idea of a chief marketing technologist as sort of the senior most CMO, CT, or pardon me, CTO, CIO hybrid within the marketing function. Um, and, you know, the C part is overstated. It's not a C-level executive, but it is a leader of marketing technology who's responsible for um, defining the architecture and vendor selection and integration and operation and, um, and just building the stack and owning it front to back. Um, so right now we have uh, one marketing engineer within our team. We just hired a second um, so it's really important to have that leadership in place, and we've benefited from that. 
from a marketing technology perspective, I mean, there are key foundations. We're a Marketo shop. So we use Marketo for marketing um, automations or mid funnel campaigns, email nurture. Um, and then uh, top of funnel, um, I'd say the very top of the funnel is really centered around a content marketing uh, strategy that, um, that we've launched in the last several months um, based on a destination editorial site called ProductCraft, ProductCraft.com, which is really based on this premise, and I think I mentioned it before, that when you start with what's at stake for your audience, you earn the right to their attention. This is purely value-added content. We live and die by an editorial mandate of publishing content that people want to consume, videos and blog posts, and we even do a weekly poll on some of the questions and topics within the on the minds of our, our, our target buyers. And we don't mention our product ever. So we're not pitching products. We're not even indirectly pitching products. We believe that, you know, by creating that sort of almost editorial compact with our, with our, with our audience, um, it, it builds a brand affinity and ultimately it's, it builds awareness for the brand and goodwill. And then over time we can start to um, cultivate that goodwill by offering different types of content experiences that become progressively more oriented to us as a brand and what perhaps what we have to sell, if and when that makes sense. Do you ever worry with the, the heightened focus on content that there's too much out there and, and it's a get, maybe get lost uh, in the noise? I think that there's a, almost a field of dreams expectation sometimes that if you build it, they will come and they typically don't. Um, so we put as much attention in creating great content as creating audiences. So really spending effort in um, building community and audience development. We use paid media for amplification of our of our content, as well as build a uh, community on earned channels. So it's really important for us to have equivalent focus on building an audience and just not just assuming that they're going to show up. We also use the content in our nurture campaigns. So it, it's all fed into, it sort of feeds the beast. It's uh, woven into our multi-channel uh, communications programs to ensure that it's reaching audiences. And But first and foremost, you need to start with something great. And we think we've, we're producing something something pretty great. So um, one thing I wanted to go back to your time at Gartner, because I think you were probably you were probably there when Gartner made the famous prediction that by 2017, marketing would manage more technology than IT. Uh, yes. And I think in large part, that's come to pass. What um, what have been some of the implications of that prediction, like both good and bad? And, and as marketing has taken over more technology, what, what have you found? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I was there. And my colleague, Laura McClellan, made the prediction. Um, and it became, as you suggested, pretty famous or infamous, depending on your opinion. <laughs> um, and then I wrote a research report uh, based on the 2016, I believe, um, marketing spend research uh, that it actually had crossed over and CMOs were spending more on technology than, than CTOs um, one year ahead of schedule or CIOs, pardon me. Uh, so it did happen. Um, the implications of that are that marketing has had to become much smarter about technology. And you know that's why I think that that CMT or marketing engineer role is so critical. You need to have someone looking after that as a strategy. Um, you know, similar to having the right analytics and reporting in, in place to 
uh, be responsible stewards of the marketing budget. I think to be responsible steward of the marketing technology budget, you need to have leadership. That's I feel really passionately about that. Um, I also think that it's important for uh, there to be sort of a dotted line relationship between that marketing technology leadership and corporate IT to ensure that there's coordination and collaboration and decisions are being made, not in a vacuum, but with a um, broader respect and understanding for, um, you know, not only things like compliance and corporate governance. I mean, today is actually GDPR day. Um, these are, you know, real issues that companies need to face. Um, but, but also, um, you know, ensuring that there isn't duplicate duplication of, uh, of tools across, across the organization and that, um, they're thinking about a reference architecture in a way that, that makes sense. Well said. So closing thoughts, uh, what do you think is coming next? What's the next big thing that as marketers we need to be paying attention to? Gee, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, one of the things I talked about a lot at, at Gartner is that, you know, mark more than any other function within the organization, marketing was responsible for the customer experience. Um, customer experience is uh, obviously very critical. It's how companies are differentiating today. Um, expectations are only on the rise from customers who are expecting a you know, simple and delightful experience. Um, I heard someone recently say, you know, product is the new marketing. That's, I think, a really interesting way of thinking about um, just the importance of experience in general. Um, if you, I, the way I would say it is marketing does not, is not responsible for the end-to-end -end customer experience because that's broad. I mean, the ex customer experience is sort of the sum of every pre and post sales moment with a customer. Um, what I'm saying is that marketing is dependent on the customer experience being exceptional because in the absence of that, it's like marketing against a headwind. So, um, for, and, I, and I have the good fortune at Pendo of working in a company, and I mentioned lots of goodwill, lots of passion around the product, incredibly loyal and passionate customer base. That's a tailwind. That makes my job a pleasure. So I think what marketers are realizing is that to do their jobs effectively, they need to ensure that the company does other things really effectively. So. Um, the best marketing leaders are the ones that can influence those outcomes, either get lucky like I have or influence those outcomes proactively across the organization outside of their sphere of control and direct responsibility. Wow, very well said. Uh, Jake, very easy to see why you've had so much success in your career. Thank you for sharing your insights with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you.